Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. I felt the Holy Spirit say, just start to see what it would feel like to be free of that thing in your life. Maybe you've already felt freedom. Run after that because then the other loses its power. When you keep focusing on the issue, you get consumed with it and, and it just seems overwhelming. But when you start to look and feel, what's it, what's it like to be free of that mindset, that addiction, that stronghold? Just see yourself free and run after that because that will draw you to say no to the wrong and yes to the right. Jesus wants to be a strong yes and a strong no but use them in the right place in the right time. So don't just keep resisting. There's times to do that, but most of the time it's run after. What's it feel like to be free? Wow. Isabella, you're knowing freedom, and God's going to teach you how to run in freedom. You'll be experiencing freedom, but He's going to teach you how to live in the overflow of that freedom. And watch out. You're going to run. You're going to run with freedom. It's a gift of God for your life. Luke, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. I see fresh purpose coming for your life. You try to, you, you, you sometimes overthink it. You're an intelligent man. You try to work it all out. And God says, hey, sometimes you just got to trust the Lord and don't try and understand or reason it all out. Because I've found if you trust Him and follow His leading, understanding will come when you need it. Lord, just let that be over Luke's life. Fresh purpose this year in his life. Lord, just fresh purpose. Lord, just fresh freedom and purpose. Oh God, that his mind will be a blessing, the mind of Christ. It will not be a, a challenge or a hindrance, but it will be a blessing that you've given him to reason and understand. And I thank you, Father, for that word just burning in his heart in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your presence tonight filling this place in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone shouted? Amen, amen. Let's take our seats. Thanks, worship team. That was awesome. You guys are running. Some of our team have been away on holidays. So, wow, you guys did a great job. Well done. Let's give them a hand. Thank you for your uh, ministry. Also, just ask you to pray. Um, Lizzie Bartlett and the family in our church, her husband Fred's dad passed away suddenly last week. He was 76, an elderly man. So I'm doing the funeral service at 12 o'clock tomorrow out at the uh, Leslie G. Ross Chapel. So just pray that God will touch the family. Not many of them are Christians. We'll just pray for God's love to flow and comfort to be there. Well, tonight I want to share on an interesting thought of living in two worlds. You live on the edge of two worlds. If you're a Christian, you live in the realm of the kingdom of God and heaven, and we live in this natural earth. And sometimes the tensions, and how do we navigate this crazy world we live in where there's so many challenges and needs and social media and expectations, and you've got to live with family and career and health and money and all those decisions. How do we live that realm well, but how do we live the kingdom of God well? Because Jesus said, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to share some uh, verses tonight that might help us navigate this incredible journey and the privilege we have of being His representatives on earth. Genesis 28, 
verses 10 to 19, is a fascinating story of Jacob, who was a man of God. Some of you heard Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the three uh, patriarchs. And uh, he was on this journey. And uh, in verse 10 of Genesis 28, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put his head, put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Then he had a dream. I reckon because he was sleeping on a stone. That's not much fun. Some of you got some hard pillows, but not a rock. So while he's sleeping, he has this amazing dream. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north and the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Bethel means house of God or house of provision or bread. So he actually changed the name of the place because that's where he met with God. I want to look at that verse in verse 17. He had this incredible dream, had an open heaven vision or dream. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. What do we refer to as the house of God today? It's the body of Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And we are members of the church. And I believe there's a powerful truth here that we are the gate to heaven for our communities and our families. Our lives individually and corporately are the gate, the doorway for people to encounter heaven on earth. Wow, that's an exciting privilege and an amazing responsibility. I don't know about you, but we're not perfect and we're not perfect like Jesus was, why on earth would God trust us to be his messengers for the kingdom? I reckon he would be better sending the angels up and down on stairways or, or whatever. They would give a better representation of Jesus. But people sometimes can't connect with the spiritual realm until they see someone with flesh and blood on. That's why Jesus came from heaven and he was God with skin on. And God has chosen you and I with skin on and thoughts and emotions and heart to bring heaven to earth to the people we work with. I want to explore that a little bit tonight because we live on the edge of two worlds. How on earth do we do that? The message version of verse 16 and 17 of Genesis 28 says, Jacob wake up from his sleep. He said, God is in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it. He was terrified. He whispered in awe, incredible, wonderful. Holy, this is God's house. This is the gate of heaven. So when we come to church on Sundays or we meet with people during the week at our life groups or we we pray together as families, I want to remind you 
that we carry his divine presence and we are the doorway or the gateway for many people to experience God or not to experience it by our lifestyle and our words. If we give a very mixed result story of what God's like, some people will close the door. So if that's what God's like, I don't want to touch it. But if they feel love, they feel acceptance, they feel hope, they hear words of truth that Jesus can change our life like he has ours, it can be the doorway for heaven for them. It can be opening a gate for them to come in. The house of God that Jacob saw was not a building made from bricks and timber. This is a church building, but the church is really us. So we'll say, where's the church tomorrow? It's not at 18 Neal Street, it's all over our city. The church is you and I living out his kingdom because the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. This is a church building where we meet so we can be out of the weather and the rain and the sun and it's a place of connection with God. But it's not about buildings, it's about people carrying his divine presence. It's not a temple or a tabernacle that is permanent or even a tent that was movable. In the, in the wilderness, in the Old Testament, they used to have this big tent they'd set up with all the poles and, and all the curtains and everything else and all the utensils and they'd meet God there. They'd worship God there. The Jews, they established the, the temples to go and worship in and we have buildings for convenience but it's about the heart that carries his presence. It wasn't a movable tent. It is God with man on the side of a hill. It's a great picture of reality from God's perspective. God's plan for his house was a place of divine intersection, two worlds colliding, heaven and earth. Wow, what a privilege. I want you to lift your vision a little bit today of what it means to live as a Christian, what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. This is an incredible divine assignment God has given us on earth. Occasionally I meet Christians and they say, oh, life's getting so tough, I just want to escape to heaven. I think, no, heaven's our destination. Our serving our community is our assignment while we're here. Loving our family and our people, serving our community, doing all we can to bring hope and life to our people. That's our destiny now and heaven's our reward at the end of this journey. So let's not try and escape. Let's live out passionately with understanding. In the New Testament, this prophetic picture of God's house finds its fulfillment in Jesus. The book of John, chapter 1, verse 51, has a very interesting verse that probably many of you have read over, but I want to just take a moment to look at it. It says, I prophesy to you eternal truth. This is Jesus speaking. From now on, you will see heaven, you will see an open heaven, and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. What on earth? It's a reference back to the prophetic thing that Jacob had thousands of years before. Jesus came from heaven and he is now the embodiment of God on earth and he is the doorway, the gate, the stairway for people to encounter the kingdom of heaven. How powerful is that? This is before he started his public ministry. He says, hey, don't forget, I've come to reveal the kingdom of heaven. Not only do heaven and earth meet up again, they find their intersection in the person of Jesus. Now through Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, the church has become the place of divine intersection. How amazing that the hope of this world is Jesus, 
But the hope of this world is demonstrated through his body, the church. He's the head, we're the body. So when we pray for God to touch our community, guess what? He'll use people and he'll use the local churches. That's how he reveals his love and truth. That's why we come together on Sundays. That's why we live out and serve our community. That's why we pray for one another, encourage, help people find their gifts that the Holy Spirit's given us so we can function. It's a bigger purpose than just being fulfilled and happy. It's a much bigger purpose than just being nice to people. God has called you and I to be his gateway, his house, his dwelling place for this kingdom to come on this earth. How powerful is that? So when you're wrestling through a temptation to sin, there's a whole bigger agenda. It's not just you coming into freedom. You need to come into freedom so you can reflect Jesus to this world. There's a greater reason why you wrestle, why you pray, why you worship, why we read the word, why we say, God, teach me your ways. Why? So that we can live in relationship with him and we are the gateway for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. Wow, when you get a hold of that, your whole life purpose changes. And you don't have to be called to be a pastor, an evangelist, or a missionary to live like that. Every believer is called to live with that divine perspective. I want you to leave tonight with a bit bigger perspective of what it means to be a person on this earth who's met Jesus and he's given you a divine purpose way beyond your natural abilities and gifts. You are the gate. The church is the gate of heaven. And Jesus came to reveal that to us. J Jacob had an amazing dream, a revelation. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. The house of God is the gate of heaven on earth. We are God's house. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says that we are the dwelling place of his Holy Spirit on earth. Listen to these verses in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside you, your sanctuary. You are God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. Mate, if that's not a call to look after our physical body, I don't know what is. If that's not a call to endeavour to live as clean and whole a life as we can so that Jesus can live through you. This is what the gospel is. It's not just a choice to have some hope and happiness in your life. This is a much bigger purpose. Remember when Jesus walked on the beach, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He was calling them to realise that they were born on this earth to fulfill a destiny to help others be introduced to the power of Jesus and heaven. That's the call of God over not only those original disciples, but over all of our lives. When Jesus died on the cross and cried out, It is finished! The curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. God was clearly demonstrating that his desire was to break out and to break in. To break out of the religious roles and rules and to break into our lives. So as he breaks into our lives, he breaks out and touches our world. Wherever we walk, wherever we go. So God's into the break in and the break out business. I hope he's broken into your life, into your mindset. So we're not living with small, thinking, selfish mindsets. No, he's broken into your mindset so that you can use all of who you are, filled with all of who he is, 
to see purpose and destiny in your life. When you live like that, your life is a, a filled with purpose and destiny. It's not survival, it's thriving. You're not dreading Monday or Friday or Wednesday or whatever day. You are filling, filled with a sense of purpose and destiny. I, I'm so glad I met Jesus when I was 17. And I have no regrets in my life for choosing to follow Jesus. There's been a fulfillment and a purpose in my life. And at an early age, some of this started to grab my heart and I realized, hey, I'm going to live for Jesus. doesn't mean you've got to become a pastor or a missionary and evangelist. Just live out what God's called you to be. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher you can be, shining Jesus' love. If you're a mechanic, you be the best you can be. And let's serve one another. And in our serving and loving one another, the kingdom of God gets revealed. Because they're touched by something in your heart and soul. And I believe God wants us to, as we launch into 2020, to have a sense of kingdom purpose over our lives, not just living out our lives and surviving. So many people are just plain bored. They're just plain bored. If you're bored in your life, I encourage you to find Jesus, to get a sense of value about who you are and what you do. As you serve people in that shop, that you are looking for every opportunity to sow a seed of love and hope. Just to, just to touch their lives with your, the presence of God through you. You don't have to preach it, everyone. Just be kind. Just be nice. Just be loving. Sow a seed of hope. I used to work in a bank for years. And I remember that even as a young person, I had this sense of fire in my heart. And I'd be looking at every opportunity just to sow a word. And sometimes I didn't even have to say it. They would ask me. People watch you, you know, they're watching you. They see something of hope or joy or peace over your life. And I remember this one guy, he used to come in every day and he did the banking for some business. And after a few weeks, he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. I said, why do you ask? He said, every time I come in, I've been watching and I've been asking you questions because I'm trying to work out what makes you tick because you're different from all these other people in this bank. I hadn't said anything to him about Jesus, but he felt something different. Because I went to work every day with a purpose saying, who can I share with today? And sometimes I would speak a word and sometimes it was just the presence of Jesus would reach. I end up leading him and his wife and all their four kids to Jesus a few months later. They said, can you come to our home? They invited me for dinner and I went there and ended up leading the whole family to Jesus. It was the first time I'd led a whole family to Jesus. I rang up the youth pastor the next day and said, this is what happened. Did I do okay? He said, you did awesome. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, how do I do it? How do I say the prayer right? You know, I was, I was all of 18, I think, and trying to work out how to do it right. But it was like God saw my desire in my heart just to live his kingdom. So he sent them to me. And quite often, this guy would come in the bank and he'd end up in front of my teller's box instead of everyone else. It was like God just started con con causing our worlds to connect and collide. When you've got a heart for Jesus, watch out. He will bring people into your world to intersect with you. And you've got to be ready just to be Jesus. Just be real. And let his love flow through your hearts. And we see that uh, God was very clear, clearly demonstrated his desire to break in and break out. He broke out of a structure that was totally unsatisfactory for containing his presence. And on the day of Pentecost, he broke in to the only structure that would truly be suitable to become his Holy Spirit's dwelling place, your body and the local church. That's what the Holy Spirit came for, to reveal the kingdom of God. 
Our individual lives and together as the church is a gate where the presence of Almighty God can impact and transform our world. It's interesting, a gate, some of you have got a gate in your front yard or in front of your garage or some of you might have a, a gate at your workplace. A gate is a transition place that takes you from one realm or place to another. A front gate of a home is a transition place from your property to the street and to the community. Gates can provide entry and exit. In a similar way, the spirit-filled body of Christ is the gate of heaven's resources to the earth. There are times where God moves sovereignly and mysteriously, but his general way of operation is through his people. When you start praying for a community, guess what God will say, will you go? Will you go and share with that group of people? Will you just shine Jesus in your workplace? I've met people who say, I'm the only Christian in this workplace. Can you please pray that I can, I can get out of here because it's so hard? I look at them and say, no, I won't pray that prayer. I say, what do you mean you won't pray that prayer? I said, because it's very clear God's planted you there. I said, when you've won a few more people to Jesus and there's more people there, then he'll let you move on because there'll be more lights there. But while you're the only light, it means you're meant to be the light in that hospital ward, in that neighborhood, in that family. You say, well, I'm the only Christian in my family. Praise God that he's got the light shining. And you keep loving them until some more of them come to the kingdom and then God will release you to another assignment, a bigger and a different one. See, we've got to have a kingdom perspective about this, not just how you feel or what's going on in my world and this is tough. Hey, light and darkness clash, but the kingdom of God within, the Spirit of God will equip you to let his light shine. That's why we need his grace on our lives, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The perfect one lives in us, the Holy Spirit, to equip us to be his representatives on earth. The church of Jesus is the gate for people to access the presence and power of God. The Holy Spirit positions us to live under an open heaven. Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Fully God and fully man. This is where it gets tricky because sometimes we get so excited about Jesus, we become almost no earthly good because we live in another planet. And we talk Christianese and we, we do all this stuff and people say, you're weird. Hey, let's be like Jesus, naturally spiritual and spiritually natural. Jesus so lived for God and yet the sinners loved hanging out with him. How did that work? Because he loved people regardless of whether they were following, following him yet or not. He brought hope into their lives. The miracle of the 5,000, most of those people probably weren't yet believers, but he still fed them. Because he loved people where they were, but by his love and miracles and actions of truth, many of them started to follow him and say, boy, I don't get this, but this is amazing. You have changed my life and my perspective and my hope. How awesome is that? God wants to live through you so naturally that people that are not yet Christians... Don't keep running away from you. They get curious saying, what makes you tick? It says to be salt and light. And I don't know about you, you don't need lots of salt in the meal. You just need a little bit. You tip a whole lot on, top of the uh, salt shaker comes off. That meal's going to be very salty. Sometimes you have to throw it out. Sometimes we over-salt people when we're trying. We assault them with too much salt. Instead of just sowing a little bit to get them thirsty and curious. 
Sometimes it's just sowing a seed. I used to work in the bank and I remember Mondays, I used to be just happy because we'd had a great day in church like this and I'd be singing and humming around the place and they'd get so upset saying, why are you so happy? Because they've been partying all weekend and now they've got such a split and headache and they don't really want to be at work. And I'd just keep on singing. The first week or two I wouldn't say a word. Then they'd get curious, say, why are you so happy on Mondays? I said, well, do you really want to know? Yeah. I said, well, we had a great day at church. Church? You got happy at church? What's that about? So I'd walk off and wouldn't give them any more answers. So every week the conversation went on a journey for weeks and weeks where I just sowed seeds and got them curious. And eventually some of them say, what do you do at that church? Why are you singing and why are you so happy? And so you'd be giving them, making them thirsty for more. And I had the joy of leading several of them to Jesus over a couple of year period. Praying for them in the lunchroom and they'd be crying their eyes out. Then we'd have to try and go back and serve people and getting the tissues out. And I'm thinking, God, why do you do it at lunchtime? We've got to go back and serve people. But I learnt, and I was, I was still learning how to do this and I still am. But I learnt, because I used to come on too strong and some people just backed off saying, oh, he's that weird spiritual one, you know. I learnt pretty fast that that didn't work. I said, God, teach me how to love people and make them curious. Give them enough salt to make them thirsty for more. And sometimes you could speak the word straight up. Often I'd speak the Bible verse, but never say, this is from the Bible. I'd just speak words of life to them. Say, boy, I can't get those words that you spoke out. And I'm thinking, I know why, because it's the word of God and it's powerful. But I hadn't told them it was from the Bible. I just sowed some words of wisdom. I said, I heard a proverb once and I'd just leave that with them. And those that God was drawing would come back and ask for more. God wants us to be wise so we're a gate that doesn't slam open and knock them over in the process, but opens the door for them to come in and experience. That's why some of you are brilliant at this. You just cook meals, you do acts of kindness. But if you do acts of kindness and someone asks you why you're doing that, you ask the Holy Spirit, how much do I tell them this time? If it's a one-off and you're never going to see that person again, you're probably going to pour out the truth to them. If it's someone you're going to be working with tomorrow or they're your neighbour that you're going to see regularly, don't dump on them. Don't open the gate and dump the whole Bible on them in one session. (laughs) Just sow a seed and get them curious. Or they've got a need, say, hey, I'll ask Jesus about that. And all of a sudden they start coming to you for their prayer needs and after a while they say, hey, God will hear your prayer too. Oh, no, he won't. I'm, I'm not a very good person. I said, well, you might be surprised that God will hear your prayer. Why don't we pray together and, and next time you pray and then come and tell me what happens. And all of a sudden, it worked. It worked, they said. I said, yeah, I told you. And then they're on a journey saying, well, why did it work? You've now become the gate where people are connecting with another world that they were called to. This is so much fun. I love, I love going to weddings or parties where I don't know anyone and I say, Lord, there's got to be someone here ready to, to come to Jesus or to be drawn back to you. And every time I go with that attitude, I always meet at least one who's a backslidden Christian, someone who had some seeds sown but's had... It's like before the night's out, God always makes sure I end up in that conversation with them. And I'm not an evangelist, I'm just someone who just loves people. 
And there's times I've missed it. There have been times when I've walked past and I've missed it. I've shared this story before, but it's a few years ago and many of you probably haven't heard it. I remember I, I, I got called to go and see someone in hospital. This is about 10 years ago in the Harvey Bay Hospital. And I went to see them, but they weren't at their bed. A relative rang me. So I went and saw them. They weren't there, so I left a little note with my card and I walked out and just said a prayer. I said, Lord, please touch their lives. As I'm walking down the hallway, about to leave the hospital, there's a guy coming slowly in a wheelchair towards me. And I just felt compassion for him. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for him. So I went up to introduce myself, just knelt down. He was an elderly man in a wheelchair. And I said, excuse me, sir, I don't know you, but you're obviously not well. Can I pray a prayer of blessing over you? He looked up at me and said, okay. So I prayed this prayer of blessing over him for God to heal him. And I got up and think, wow, I've done my bit. I'm walking down the hallway. I was about 10 paces away. And as clear as the bell, the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks. It was so clear, I'll never forget it. He said, I want you to go back and lead him to me now. I'm thinking, I don't even know who he is. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. It was so clear, I stopped and turned around and he was so ill that he'd only gone another few paces so I could easily catch up with him. I knelt down beside his wheelchair and said, excuse me, sir, you don't know me, but I just want to ask you a question. Do you know, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Are you at peace with God? He looked up at me and it was like he didn't hear me and I was about to repeat it, and he, but he was thinking. He said, no, I don't. I said, could I pray a prayer with you where you could open your heart and let Jesus be your Lord and Saviour? He looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, yes. So I led that gentleman in a prayer to Jesus. He said, I'm going home tonight. And I prayed with him. I thought, I'll never see him again. I walk out the hospital feeling, wow, I led someone to Jesus. Tuesday, I'm in my office. A phone rings. It's the relative who had rung me the week before to go and see their relative. They say, I need to tell you a story. I said, yes. said, this is your card and this is your name. You left beside the bed because my relative wasn't there. I said, yes. They said, I'm her daughter, his daughter, I need to tell you, he went home that night and he died at 11 o'clock that night. He was going home because he's full of cancer and they said, we can't save your life, you need to go home and spend whatever time you can with him. He died a few hours after I'd prayed for him. And then she's crying and I said, I've been a Christian for 23 years. I've been trying to pray and lead my dad to Jesus for all those years and he was so stubborn, he didn't want to know anything about God and said, that's okay for you but not me. And I had the joy of telling her that I led him to Jesus because we worked out it was the same guy that was in the hallway that I'd missed from the bed. <laughs> the same guy. And then I wept and said, Holy Spirit. And then I wept because I almost missed it. I only heard half what the Holy Spirit told me. He says, go and pray for him. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you've got to go and lead him to me now. It's the only time it's ever happened that dramatically, but I've never forgotten it because I thought, hey, we are the gate of heaven. And that lady from New South Wales, for 23 years I've tried to reach him with, with Jesus, but he's just been stubborn and refused. 
God used me because he knew he was dying and he was probably more open than he ever was before. You are the gate of heaven. You won't always have dramatic stories like that, but boy, I've had quite a few now. And I just want to say, just be naturally spiritual and spiritually natural because the Holy Spirit will do the dramatic like that when it's needed. Other times you'll do the loving. You invite someone to church or to youth group or to life group and they just won't come. Don't give up. Don't badger them, but just look for creative ways to connect with them. Go and have a meal with them. Go and play some sport with them. Do whatever and you never know what God's doing in their hearts. So gate's that transition place. It's where we connect. The perfect one lives in us, the Holy Spirit, so we can be his representative. Do you know your citizenship is in heaven, but my assignment is on earth? Show me how to live as a dual citizen where my point of origin is in your world and my place of temporary residence is in this one. I live on the edge of two worlds. Live your life here. Study, plan, buy and build houses, do careers, build families, do all of those things, but realize that we're only temporary residents here and we're eternal residence is in heaven. I remember when I was a young guy, an old pastor said to me, just remember, make your decisions in the light of eternity. You're going to change your career or move town? Have you really prayed about it? And if you're going to move to another town, do you know there's a good church there and God's planting you there? If it's just a good opportunity and nothing else lines up, just put it on the shelf and leave it for a while. So many people run after the world's things because their identity is so much in the world instead of in the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. If you follow him, he will direct your path. Ephesians 2, 6 says, He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, but we live on the earth. Here's this dual world thing. Throughout the coming ages will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless grace of his, riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. Jesus lived on the edge of two worlds while he was on earth. He was watching the Father's movement and listening to the Father's voice while continuously confronting and helping people in their sin, brokenness and pain. Jesus demonstrated how to live fully in this life, but from a heaven's perspective. That's what the Holy Spirit's teaching us to do you don't become weird and spiritual wacky just be real love people do life have hobbies enjoy life and family and relationships and have fun study work but with a kingdom perspective seeping through it all and you'll live a very fulfilled life because then it's about him not about you your fulfillment comes in loving and serving him, not just in meeting all your goals and dreams. If you have your heart set on the kingdom, he will give you the desires of your heart because your desires will line up with his heart. And it's so precious to run with his purposes. Some of you are young adults and looking for 
a partner in life, the, the right one. How do you know the right one? Ask God, do they love Jesus? Have they got a heart of integrity and honesty? Do they love people? I had an old pastor once, he said, you can tell a, you can tell a man by how they treat animals and kids. I thought, that's a bit of bush wisdom. But the older I've got, the more I realized he had a powerful truth. If they don't treat animals well and they don't treat kids well, they're not going to treat you well. They're going to be selfish about their own needs. Oh, wow. Lord, help us to walk with wisdom. Let's wrap this up. Jesus lived in those two realms. It was his vital connection to the Father's world that was responsible for his amazing effectiveness in this world. Jesus was and is God, but he came as God in the flesh to demonstrate how we can live a spirit-filled life that helps us bring heaven to earth. He showed us the normal but supernatural way to live on earth. We live on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. My prayer is, Lord, show us how to live aware of both worlds so that we can be the most effective gate of your presence possible. The Apostle Paul was aware of this. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from there we eagerly await the coming of the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of us, this becomes a real challenge. Some have said, you're too heavily minded to be any earthly good. We can't ignore the realities of life, family, work, study, relationships, hobby, money. But we need to face life on earth and live an abundant life from the principles and power of God in heaven. A heavenly mind must have an impact on the earth. Otherwise, it is not given an opportunity for de demonstration. We face life head on, thinking and acting as citizens of heaven who are focused on demonstrating the superior realities of the kingdom of God on this world. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My citizenship is in heaven and my assignment is on the earth. You're a door opener and a gatekeeper. You can open doors for people or you can close them. You can be a gatekeeper that allows people through or situations. You can be a gatekeeper over your mind and stop darkness and evil and fear and pornography and selfishness and greed from controlling your life. Or you can just leave the gate open, let anything come in and out. I want to encourage you to be a door opener and a gatekeeper because you've got a sphere of influence that only you have that I don't have. What a privilege that is. You're a door opener and a gatekeeper. What a privilege. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Have we got that up there? We've lost that one. John 3.16. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His one and only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. Verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world but to be its saviour and to rescue it. Wow. God loves people. The world can be a corrupt, evil place but the people in the world are all meant to be in relationship with Jesus. There's an active enemy that's trying to destroy humanity, but Jesus has already destroyed him. 
And he's chosen the church to enforce his victory in the world. What a privilege. What an honor. As a citizen of this world, help me to continue your mission to be your ambassador, your representative on earth to bring them into reconciliation with God and through Jesus Christ. Lift up your heads, your gates. Lift up the ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Let's stand in his presence tonight. Oh, Jesus. Just take a deep breath. Just just a few more moments. Five minutes before we finish our service. <clears throat> We're going to sing... Um, sing a song what's that <clears throat> yeah we'll, <clears throat> we'll do set a fire in a moment but let's just close our eyes for a moment I want to ask you do you know that you're a citizen of heaven or are you not sure you're not sure whether God hears your prayers maybe you've never really heard the gospel about Jesus but someone's been telling you or you've been watching a friend or a family member saying wow has something changed about you tonight I've explained about the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of self and darkness. And Jesus wants to be your Lord and Savior. You can live a successful life in this world, but if you don't know Jesus, you'll never be fully satisfied. You'll have some happy moments in life, but you'll never be fully satisfied because your spirit is created to be with God. Maybe you've been trying to work it out your own way. Tonight, I'm inviting you to say, Jesus, I want to know you. So right now as our heads are bowed, in this holy moment, maybe you don't know this incredible Jesus. You've never opened your heart to him. Or maybe you once knew him, but tonight, I just want to give you an opportunity to say, Pastor Ross, I'd like to get to know this Jesus. There's something stirring my heart. I've felt his love tonight. I just know there's something happening. I just want to open my heart and start this journey with Jesus. He's calling you to follow. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.